0: came in the rain. Good for you. Yay.
1: We pulled in the parking lot and I was like, that's where they are because the first two services were a little low. So welcome. We're glad yes. you're here.
0: Yes, as Preston was saying last week, it was nice to see everybody. We Again, we get to see everybody every week, but you don't get to see each other. So I hope that, that you were able to see a few of your family members that you Maybe not, didn't even know we're part of the community here. And, and we started talking about resurrection, the, this, this thing that distinguishes Christianity is, is the most powerful part of what our story is all about. And so we're going to continue with that theme here today. Obviously, we know that there was a huge change that took place in the world. Matter of fact, all you have to do is just look at history to see the change that took place. Within 30 years, this message went from just a, a group of a few people kind of huddled together trying to scratch their heads and figure out uh, what just happened this weekend. What was this all about, this crucifixion and this resurrection? And wh- what in the world is going on? And with, within 30 years, that message had saturated the entire Um, known world at the time and there was no mass media there was no www um, there was no twitter for heaven's sakes no was no television and so how did this happen how did this thing that took place change the world and how does it change us these significant events that take place in the world some of you may Look back on your life and remember, do you remember some events that took place that happened many years ago, but you still remember exactly where you were and what you were thinking? And if you remember September 11, 2001, do you remember where you were at? matter of fact, I remember the car we were driving in. We interestingly enough, we happened to be away for a weekend with Ed and Gale, and uh, we were driving back through Missouri. And for five hours, we just happened to flip on the, the radio, and for five hours, we listened to this horror that was happening. Uh, we couldn't see images yet, but we were listening to the commentators and waiting for, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. What, what is going to happen in the world, and what's going to happen next? And, and uh, I still remember the car we were driving when your, your senses kind of heightened during those times. Any of you remember July twentieth, nineteen sixty nine? Some of you don't because you were not even close to being here. Um, I was thirteen years old, and and uh, my mom. We had a we had a couch in the family room that folded out into a bed, and and these events were televised for twenty four hours, and this amazing thing that was happening in the world. And I was actually able to hear um, one. Small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, uh, man actually walking on the moon. I remember that day. I remember exactly what that living room looked like and what I was feeling about. Oh, my gosh, this is happening on the moon? And if you remember November the 22nd, 1963, I was in second grade I was from Indiana originally, but my dad was in Officer's Candidate School at Fort Sill uh, in Lawton, Oklahoma. I uh, was sitting in a classroom in Mrs. Pretty's class. She was my second grade teacher, Mrs. Pretty. And uh, they rolled a TV into our classroom and turned it on. And I remember listening to Walter Cronkite talk about how John F. Kennedy had just been assassinated and... And, uh, of course, I was seven years old, and I just thought our president has been killed. And, and I still, again, I can, I can tell you what the, the layout of the classroom looked like. I, I remember things that were on the blackboard. Um, these things changed the world. And, of course, how many of you remember October the 12th, 1492? <laughs> <laughs> My kids think we, we remember that. And... Uh, but these are things, and and this event, of course, is the grandest of all, this experience that happened that changed the world forever.
1: No one knew how this was going to affect us. Even with nine eleven. 11 I remember driving with Ed and Gail, and Gail and I were looking at each other going, we have boys in high school. You know, all we knew of major wars was people being drafted, and we are like, our boys are going to go to war. We didn't know how this was going to play out. We didn't know how it would affect us. That's how the disciples were. The resurrection was good news, but how does that work? How does that play out for us in our individual lives, in our relationships with each other? Now, fortunately, we have the book of Acts. And the book of Acts gives us a glimpse into what it was like for the disciples in this first 30 years after Jesus' death. It really gives us a glimpse of the first Jesus movement. Acts is really a sequel to Luke. It was written by Luke. And in the ancient days, they would circulate both of these together, Luke and Acts. And Luke was volume one and Acts was volume two. And Luke talked about Jesus' birth Until his death. And Acts picked up after that and goes all the way to 60 AD and talks about Paul eventually coming into Rome. So we're going to take a look at the first part of Acts to see, to get a glimpse into the first part of the church.
0: So Acts 1 1, it says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. It says, in my former book, of course, we know that, as Janice said, that that's the the book of Luke, and he's found there saying, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So now in Acts, we, we see this sweeping of the Holy Spirit um, onto the scene. We see this idea of new life, of regeneration, of new beginnings, of all things new. We see the hints of that, that message. It is truly the birth of the church. Um, that's where the world began to change. And as we recognize this, even... We talk about the birth of the church. It really is most appropriately um, described as all that Jesus continued to do. He wasn't here physically any longer, but it was all that Jesus continued to do. It just happened now to be through his people. So the new change is that his people are involved in, in this new thing that's changing the world.
1: There's three key things that we want to look at as the story continues today. The first one is Luke is giving us confirmation. Yes, Jesus really did arise from the dead. We saw him. We have proof. He has arisen, and that changes everything. So Luke wants us to remember this is true. This is fact. Secondly, in the time that the resurrected Jesus was on earth, it says he appeared to many, he appeared to his disciples, and, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. For some reason, Luke wants us to focus on that particular thing, the kingdom of God. And so we're going to be talking about that. And third, in the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit coming in a dramatic way. We know that Father, Son, and Spirit were together from the beginning of time. But here we see the Holy Spirit really takes a step forward, really comes in the forefront of the life of the believers.
0: So the most significant change that we see is because of the power of the Holy Spirit that we get invited into the story. Every one of us get invited into the story to participate in this. Because of the power of God that now can be in us and flow through us, we get to be a part of this. Not because we're so special. Not because we have, we're able to earn it. I certainly am humbled by this. I don't know about you. The, the, the thought that God wants me to carry this story, that he wants you to carry this story. I'm thankful when you look throughout Scripture that that he talks about the people that he used all the way from the beginning of time were all real people. They were all people that had, as a matter of fact, he lets us see kind of the underbelly of them more than probably I would have if I had been scripting this. And it's like, I'm not sure I want them to know all this about these guys. You know, they're kind of struggled here, but he... Because he knew that that was his ultimate plan, he he used real people. And so we've been invited into that. So let's look at at verse 4 here. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do not leave Jerusalem. I think he had to tell them that because I don't know about you, but I think if I had been there and watched this Messiah that I had been following hunted down and crucified, I think I would have been thinking, I need to get out of town. Wouldn't you? I need to change my address, um, because who knows what they're gonna, who they're going to come after next. But they had learned to trust him, because we see that they stayed there. They were obedient to what he said. They learned that, they, that Jesus had their best interest in mind and that they could trust him. Obedience is a very important part of our journey, of our walk as Christians. But the motivation has got to be right. If obedience is, well, I need to do these things. I need to make sure that I go to church on Sunday when it's really raining because then God will really be impressed. Um, or I need to make sure that I do this, read my Bible enough, or that I do this or do that, or make sure that I give at the right times. Uh, if I do it with that motivation in mind, to hope that I can earn a place in his heart, maybe I get enough little check marks that then he will want to rescue me. Then he'll want to come and take me, take me with him. Um, if that's our motivation for obedience, then it's flipped upside down, because that's not the heart of God.
1: And really when we understand the heart of God and we understand how much he loves us and how good he is, it makes us want to be obedient to him. When I really know that if he's calling me to do something, even if it looks scary or even if it looks difficult, if I know that he's saying, I've gone ahead of you, I've prepared the way, I love you, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to be a lot more likely to walk in obedience than if I had this belief in my mind that God's going to call me to do something and then sit up there and go, (laughs) that's going to really mess up her life. But when we know he's loving, when we know he's good, when we know his character, then we want to be obedient to him out of love. That's why we talk so much about the goodness of God. We talk about his love for you. Because we want you to know he has your best interest at heart. But it's not easy to be obedient on some days, is it? There are times when I want to do what I want to do. Actually, I get so caught up in my stuff, it's like, oh, yeah, God has something for me to do. It's easy for all of us to get caught up in our stuff of life. And not walk in obedience and not do some of the very things that he's called us to do. It's easy to be self-focused. That's why in Lent, we really encouraged you to participate in the disciplines of the faith. To really stretch yourself and to work on developing new habits. Because when we get those new habits in our lives, we're more likely to stay focused on God. As Brent said, it's not to earn points. It's so that we can keep our focus on my life is wrapped up in him and my heart's desire is to do his will. And I'm not going to get caught up in, oh, yeah, I could do that. Oh, yeah, I could do that. But I'm going to keep my focus on Jesus. And sometimes that requires an act of our will to do things even though they're really hard. I was reminded a couple weeks ago, um, for many, many years, 30-some years, I've always run. And so starting in college, so if I wanted to go out and run three miles, I might be slow, but I could do it. You know, I'd just go out and do it. And for periods of time in my life, if I wanted to pick it up to five, I would do it, or six, or, you know, one period, ten or more, I would pick up and do that. Well, the last couple years, I haven't done that. And so, you know, when you haven't done it for a couple years... You don't just go out and do that, especially not at 55. And so um, a couple weeks ago, I was walking, and it was like, you know, I really miss being a runner. I really would I really would like to be a runner again. And, and I'd been walking for some period of time, and I heard this little whisper kind of in the back of my brain going, to be a runner, you have to run. <laughs> and I'm walking, and it's like, yeah, but if I run instead of walk, it... It hurts more, and I breathe fast, and I sweat. But you know what? If I want to be a runner again, I've got to actually take some running steps on that walking journey. Well, that's how it is with the disciplines of our faith. If I want to really know God's word, if I really want to have that implanted in my heart and walk in obedience to him, I'm probably going to have to stretch myself beyond what may be my comfort level right now, to really grow in that area. So sometimes obedience requires us disciplining our lives, so that becomes a habit for us, and it becomes more natural for us.
0: When he said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, the world's going to change. Things are never going to be the same. But this is not going to happen by some new little slick ad campaign we're going to do for the church. This isn't going to be a new little banner for your uh, first century website, whatever whatever that might have looked like, uh, or new curriculum for, for the Sunday school, for the church. It is going to be by his spirit that this will happen. It is going to be not, but not by just our, our, our will, even though we have to make a decision, in obedience and response to his heart. It's going to be empowered and fueled by the Holy Spirit. The only way that we can be witnesses, be his witnesses, is by the power of the Spirit, by a life that is submitted to him, um, that is transformed by his Spirit.
1: It's interesting here that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is called a gift. It's not called a tool. When we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about the Holy Spirit gives us power, and he does. But it's expressed here as a gift. So along with the power comes joy, comes delight. We have the infilling of the Holy Spirit to do the work of God on this earth, but that's a joyful thing. That is a good thing. It tells me that being used by God is going to make me happier. It's going to make me feel more fulfilled. That's what abundant living is all about, when I'm no longer living for myself, but I am allowing the Holy Spirit to work through me, and I am living for what he wants me to do. I'm living in obedience to him. Let's go on to verse 6. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples asked Jesus if it was time for his kingdom to be revealed. Remember we talked about on Palm Sunday. They were looking for a governmental kingdom. So it's like, okay, is this it? Are you going to be king of the world now? Are you going to take everything over? And
0: obviously we, we find that Jesus is clear about that, that it's not an earthly kingdom. And they come into that realization. But I think one of the things that we tend to do is we kind of jump to the other extreme. Well, because it's not... An earthly kingdom we know that it must just be a heavenly kingdom so it must just be a kingdom that is going to come when he comes again and so let's not focus so much on the world today because the world's broken it's kind of messy there's stuff that's going on let's focus on that heavenly kingdom that is going to come and when he comes and, and takes us away and i think that gets us off track of the heart of what he's saying here Jesus puts the focus right when he says um, the Holy Spirit will come on us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Just a few minutes ago, we prayed as Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we are supposed to be living a kingdom life today, not just focused on what's going to happen um, one of these days. We are supposed to step into this today, into this life that is fulfilled and, and, and flowing out of the power uh, of the Holy Spirit in our life. Certainly in Jerusalem, in, in our sphere of influence, those that we come into contact with in Judea, those that are even outside of there, it even talks about the Samaritans. Those were the enemies of the Jews. It says that we, they were to be witnesses even to our enemies. And so who are our enemies today? We so get focused on groups of people or, or maybe even a politician for some of you or whatever, that that's my enemy. And we, we're actually supposed to be witnesses um, to those that could even be considered um, our enemies. Yes, I believe that we will ultimately find fulfillment in him when we see him face-to-face but in my opinion, we get way too focused on the end game. We get way too focused on what's going to happen ultimately because, you know, things are a mess. Things are just so bad. Let's just get out of here. Let's, I just can't wait for him to come and take us away. Yes, he will come, but let's not lose our focus. Let's not lose our focus in being his witness. Witnesses today, making his kingdom come today.
1: If it's his kingdom come, his will be done on earth, how do we participate in being a part of his kingdom come? We're suggesting that we are to be the hands and face, the arms, the feet of God to the people around us. We're supposed to be doing the work of Jesus on this earth. It's what would Jesus do? I know the bracelets are out of style, but, you know, what would Jesus do? How would he have us react to the people around us? Jesus on this earth would be reaching out to people in need. Who has he called us to? What has he called us to do? I think doing the work of God is things like the water wells that we are doing, giving people clean water to drink. I think doing the will of God is... is Going home this afternoon and digging through your drawers and cabinets and going, oh, here's some old eyeglasses that I don't wear. They're going to need these on the missions trip that they're going on this summer. It's reaching out and loving people around you. Scripture's clear that they will know that we are his disciples by our love. How do we love the people around us? The ones that we're in close proximity to, the ones that are out here, and the ones that are clear out there. We want to show the love of God to the world, and that is being his witness. It says be his witness, not do witnessing. Usually when we read this, this chapter or the scripture, we talk about doing witnessing. Of course, we're going to do witnessing. Of course, we're going to share our faith with people. We're going to tell them how God has transformed our lives by the power of Jesus. But we also want to be witnesses by our everyday life. When you do things that that show that you have a healthy whole life. 25 years ago when I first started in in, uh, marriage counseling, one of the things that surprised me, now remember this was before the internet, but one of the things that surprised me was how many Christian couples didn't file tax returns. Very appropriate on this day. And um, that it was such a source of conflict between them because they hadn't filed tax returns. And back then it was before, you know, they could catch up with you. So I remember one day coming home to Brent and saying, I can't tell you any names, but somebody went seven years without filing taxes. How do you do that? <laughs> Being a witness to the world is living a healthy, whole, responsible life so that they see that we're different.
0: So we're just suggesting don't get so caught up in all, the all-fly-away part. Um, let's be about what we are called to do today. Now, I I get why people think about what's going to happen because there's a lot of stuff going on in our world right now. I think there's a lot to be afraid of. People tend to be in fear of what's going on that they don't see an outcome for. They don't see how this could turn out well. This, What if this group does this or this influence does this? And How are we going to do this if we have these people running the place? And, you know, and it get all contorted in our thinking, so we get in fear. But we have to remember that Scripture says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The power to change the world happened through what Jesus did. It's through the power of resurrection. It's He's the one that was able to change the system that he stepped into sin and death and he changed it and flipped it all upside down and it's through that power and that's what we have available to us and so that's what we're to step into and believe that we can do what he's called us to do to be witnesses that we have that ability to do that in the midst of very difficult circumstances Now, all throughout Scripture, we hear and read echoes of these promises, of this power that God had promised to come into the
1: world. Let's look at Daniel 7.13. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Daniel had a dream of four terrifying beasts that were destroyed, and then the king, the king that they call the Son of Man, that was given all authority. This is what the Jewish people were looking for, the king that had all authority over everything. And that's what we have in Jesus. He fought the powers of evil in the world. By his death and resurrection, he conquered sin and death. He has the power. He has overcome the forces of this world. And he now reigns as king of kings and lord of lords. That is our savior. That is our king.
0: So we hear this, that he's the one that fought it. And because of that, because of his success in that, and because of the power of the resurrection, we don't have to be in fear. Even though on a human level there's some things that we don't know exactly how they're going to work out, we don't have to be in fear. And so we can be about being his witnesses and helping his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's why we have a lot of opportunities around here. That's why simply... Um, We have an opportunity every year where we just pack backpacks and and pass them out to kids that are in need of those in the school systems. That is doing kingdom work. Uh, Janice talked about the the water wells that that you all have participated in. Um, Putting the turkey baskets together at Thanksgiving, and many of you, hundreds of you, went out all throughout the city and went to a a door and gave them whole weekends full of food and just to help them know that they hadn't been forgotten. Uh, The missions trips that that many of you are participating in, short-term or long-term missions, every one of those, every time you do something like that, you are being about the kingdom work. You're being his witnesses. Uh, You bring his kingdom to earth when um, when you work on your marriage, when you take time and energy and put it into your marriage. I can tell you there's no way I could be married without the power of the Holy Spirit. I am way too selfish for that, way too self-focused. The only way that could ever serve my wife anywhere close to appropriately is by uh, the transformation that's happened in my life through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not because I've know i been a marriage counselor for 25 years. It's not because I know all the right things to do. It's because something has changed. That, that self-centered, selfish um, will has been has been turned, and it still needs more turning, right? No, you're perfect. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, it's, but it's through his power that happens. Uh, when you work for your boss with a good heart, and you recognize that I'm working for God, I'm giving myself to this company, whether your boss deserves human honor or not, um, you work because you're working for, for him. That is kingdom business. Um, that is change, That is changing the world. Working to be a healthy parent and learn how to, how to put yourself in a position to be an example, so that when they see you, they see the, they smell the nature of God when they, when they see y- your your character. Um, when you stand up for somebody at the office, somebody or at school that it's kind of fun to make fun of, or there's a there's certain um, office you know, tricks that are being played on a certain person. When you stand up for somebody that's in a weaker position or has been disenfranchised some way, that when you stand for, for um, loving them and caring them, you just simply paying for the coffee for somebody behind you in line where somebody's like, what's that about? Uh, where they begin to see something different. They begin to see a different nature than they would see just by seeing our hum- humanity.
1: We make choices to do that. Use your gifts for the people to help people around you or to help with some of the projects that I have coming up. <laughs> a little hint there. Don't participate in gossip. Speak good to those around you and about those around you. Be a peacemaker in whatever you do. Get into a lifestyle of giving Look around your house and say, what are things that I don't need? What are ways that I can bless someone by giving them something that I have? Be a good financial steward. You reflect God when you have a healthy life and you're a good financial steward. Take a meal to someone. Make your home welcoming and inviting. Welcome people to your house. When the neighbors come by, make yours a house that feels like there's a different presence there. There is a goodness that is there. Smile. Unlike those people that drive to work in the morning when I do, smile. Reflect joy to people around you. And give good tips in restaurants. (laughs) You know, it's, all the wait staff says amen. Um, You know, it's embarrassing that people say that after church, the people that come there leave the worst tips, if none at all. Choose to bless your wait staff. Choose to be a blessing to people around you by just doing some of those simple things.
0: Bottom line, we're we're trying to narrow the gap between the... Image of Jesus in the world When people hear about Jesus When they hear about his nature When they hear about his character Most people when they hear that pure message Are drawn to that There's a gap however Between his nature and his followers nature And that causes problems And that's a way bigger gap Than, it, than it's supposed to be And so each of us are responsible through putting ourselves in a position to, first of all, trust in his power so that we're not operating in fear and just no earthly good then, that we're so out of, out of that and kind of holding back and just waiting to, for him to just kind of come and take us away. Um, how do we put ourselves in a place where we are, are stepping into bringing his kingdom come and his will being done every single day? Each of us can do that. Each of us can step into that uh, if we put ourselves in that position. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? One of the number one blocks that keeps people from faith, um, and you've heard it, you all have heard it, is, well, you know Christians. Well, you know. You know how they are, and they don't seem any different here, or they, they act this way and do this way different. Um, let's narrow the gap. Let's, let's each one of us um, take our position and trust that we can because he's invited us into the story. We're part of this now. Every single one of us, not just us that are up here talking. Every single one of us that have been invited into this story. Father, in the name of Jesus, we acknowledge, we recognize, and we hold on to the power of the resurrection. Lord, let us not ever Allow that to be diminished in our thought. Allow, don't, help us to not shrink back because we don't believe in this power that where the world changed and this power that has been offered and afforded us and that actually lives within us. We know that we have to make a choice today to step into obedience, to respond to your heart and to your nature, and to step out and be your witnesses. And so, Lord, each of us, in our own way, um, stand in that commitment today. And I pray that that uh, as we step into that, we trust that that Your power will begin to make the world change more and more every day. So we trust You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Um, as always, at the end, we're in need of prayer at all. Our prayer team is going to be here. I'd love to to pray for you. But let's sing as we close today. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly
1: host.
0: Praise Father, Son, and You go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. His face turn towards you and give you peace. So go in peace. Let's be his witnesses. Bless you as you go today.